Hello, welcome to Volts. I'm your host, David Roberts. Today on Volts, long duration storage can help clean up the electricity grid, but only if it's super cheap. Here at Volts, I recently spent a week, okay, a month, writing about batteries, which store energy for electronic devices, electric vehicles, and, at least for short periods of time, four to six hours, the power grid. Lithium-ion batteries are extremely good at those tasks, and they're getting better and cheaper all the time. But here's the thing. A net-zero carbon grid is going to need storage that lasts a lot longer than six hours. It's going to need durations of up to 100, 300, 500 hours or more, and it's going to need them cheap. Lithium-ion batteries just aren't going to work for that. What will work? Good question. No one really knows yet. Whatever it is will require substantial research, development, and scaling, and possibly some geographical good luck. We can't know yet what technology or technologies might win that race, but we do have a good sense of what they need to accomplish, thanks to some new research in the journal Nature Energy from a team at MIT, along with Jesse Jenkins, who used to be at MIT but is now at Princeton. Their findings on long-duration energy storage are daunting and somewhat deflationary. In a nutshell, long-duration energy storage needs to get extremely cheap before it will play a substantial role in a clean grid. Cheaper than almost any candidate technology today, and cheaper than any geographically unconstrained technology is likely to get anytime soon. Let's start with some background on the need for long-duration energy storage. Headline 1. Renewables on the grid need firming. The cheapest large-scale renewable energy sources are wind and solar, but wind and solar are variable. They come and go with the sun and the wind. And as you may have heard, the sun is not always shining and the wind is not always blowing. We cannot turn them on or off, up or down. The supply of wind and solar energy will not always match the demand curve, i.e. the level of electricity demand throughout the day. As more and more wind and solar are added to the grid, there's more and more need for flexible resources that can fill the gaps when supply doesn't match demand. Today, those gaps are overwhelmingly filled by natural gas power plants, which are 100% firm in that they can be turned on at will and run as long as necessary. As the grid is decarbonized, however, fossil fuel plants, at least those without carbon capture, will be phased out of the electricity system and wind and solar penetration will increase. As that happens, other resources will be needed to firm the system. There are four basic options. First, transmission. Connecting larger geographical areas raises the chances that sun or wind will be available somewhere within them. Second is low carbon or clean firm generation. The MIT team's paper lists, quote, nuclear, fossil fuels with carbon capture and storage, bioenergy, geothermal, or hydrogen and other fuels produced from low-carbon processes, unquote. 
The first three items are anathema to some climate activists, but they may end up being necessary. Third, negative emissions technologies. Technologies that permanently bury carbon dioxide can offset emissions from firm fossil fuel plants. And fourth is long-duration energy storage. Technologies that can store enough energy for long enough to displace firm generation. Note, natural gas power plants are much cheaper than any of these options, save perhaps some transmission. There will be no market or pressure for any of them unless there are policies that require reduced greenhouse gases. Negative emissions technologies are likely to stay expensive and transmission can only do so much, so the real fight is likely to be between clean firm generation and long-duration energy storage. This new research is an extremely detailed modeling look at the role long-duration energy storage might play in a decarbonized energy grid, how much clean firm generation it might displace, and how much it might reduce energy system costs. Headline 2, the long-duration energy storage design space. The researchers took an interesting and, to me at least, somewhat novel approach. The problem with trying to study long-duration energy storage is that a bunch of incredibly heterogeneous technologies are claiming that mantle, with different mechanisms and different performance characteristics at different levels of development and commercialization competing for different market niches. It can be difficult to compare them or to say anything meaningful about them as a class. So instead of focusing on particular technologies, the researchers modeled different combinations of performance characteristics. Specifically, they used a high-resolution model to represent five separate long-duration energy storage technology parameters. This is a long quote. Using a helpful bathtub analogy. One, energy storage capacity costs. Using the bathtub as an analogy, think of the cost of increasing the size of the tub. Two, charge power capacity costs, the cost of enlarging the faucet. Three, discharge power capacity costs, which is the cost of enlarging the drain. Four, charge efficiency, or how much water is lost when filling the tub. And five, discharge efficiency how much water is lost when draining the tub. Here is how the researchers went about modeling these things. And this is another long quote. We modeled a total of 1,280 discrete combinations of these cost and efficiency parameters encompassing performance levels that are consistent with projections for existing long-duration energy storage technologies found in academic peer-reviewed studies as well as domains that are currently infeasible, but that could be the focus of technology development efforts in the future. Furthermore, we evaluated the technology design space for long-duration energy storage in multiple power system contexts, encompassing different wind, solar, and demand characteristics, and different assumptions regarding the availability of firm low-carbon technologies. They present the results in two basic contexts, a northern grid representing an average New England grid and a southern grid representing Texas. 
The methodology was complex, but the goal was simple, to determine which long-duration energy storage performance characteristics would do the most to displace clean firm generation and reduce system costs for a net-zero carbon grid. First, we'll look at which parameters made the biggest difference and the aggregate impact they could have. Then we'll take a quick tour through current long-duration energy storage technologies to see which might make the cut. Headline three, what long-duration energy storage needs to be able to do? The basic question is how much clean firm generation long-duration energy storage can displace in a model optimizing for total system costs. Here are a few basic findings. One, of the five modeled technology parameters, the two that enable long-duration energy storage to have the biggest impact are energy storage capacity costs, recall the cost of increasing the size of the tub, and discharge efficiency, how much water is lost draining the tub. The other three parameters don't matter nearly as much. A good benchmark for energy storage capacity costs are lithium-ion batteries. Last year, BNEF's annual battery price report had the average capacity costs of lithium-ion battery packs at $137 per kilowatt hour, which is down 89% from 2010, by the way, projected to hit $100 per kilowatt hour by 2023. Dan Steingart, a materials scientist and co-director of Columbia University's Electrochemical Energy Center, told me he thinks lithium-ion batteries are eventually going to get down somewhere between $45 and $60 per kilowatt hour. To be clear, that's extremely aggressive and optimistic. Two, that gives some context to the next finding. Not until it hits $50 per kilowatt hour will long-duration energy storage even begin to see meaningful deployment or declining costs. Not until $20 per kilowatt hour will they reduce system costs by 10%. And to deliver more significant savings in electricity costs above 10%, storage technologies must exhibit costs in the $1 to $10 per kilowatt hour range and discharge efficiencies greater than 60%. That pretty much rules out lithium-ion batteries. It also, as we'll see later, rules out quite a few of the technologies currently claiming the mantle of long-duration energy storage. Three, what's more, across the full design space modeled, the very best long-duration energy storage could hope for is to reduce system costs by 50%. The best existing long-duration energy storage technologies could do is 40%. And in a system with more clean, firm options available, the max is around 20 to 30%. Four, what's even more, not until long-duration energy storage capacity costs get down to $10 a kilowatt hour could it possibly displace all clean, firm generation, if clean, firm generation only includes nuclear. If it includes other clean firm generation with lower capital costs and higher operating costs, like natural gas with carbon capture or hydrogen combustion turbines, then long-duration energy storage would have to get down to $1 a kilowatt hour to displace all of it. 
Five, what's even more and more, the modeled cases where long-duration energy storage displaces the most clean firm generation involves storage durations of 100 hours or more, up to as high as 650 hours. Six, as number four suggests, aside from energy capacity costs, the single factor that most influences long-duration energy storage's ultimate deployment has nothing to do with long-duration energy storage technology at all. It's the cost and availability of other clean firm options. If only or mainly nuclear is available, long-duration energy storage has a much better shot. If other forms mature and get cheaper and more widely available, long-duration energy storage will have a harder time. Seven, long-duration energy storage has a harder time on the northern grid and an even harder time on the northern grid under scenarios of high electrification. Electrification in the cold northern winters means a huge winter demand peak, which renewables struggle to meet. So, what have we learned? Long-duration energy storage needs to store huge amounts of energy for cheap. Though it will run only intermittently, it needs to discharge energy efficiently and it needs to be capable of durations of well over 100 hours. Even if it meets those requirements, it will likely displace less than half the clean firm generation required to run a clean grid. That said, reducing system costs by even 10% represents billions of dollars in savings, so it's nothing to sniff at. Let's take a quick tour through the technologies competing in the long-duration energy storage space. Headline four, the varieties of long-duration energy storage and their chances of success. Energy wonks are aware of the need for more and better options in the long-duration energy storage space. ARPA-E has a days or duration addition to electricity storage program intended to spur development of energy storage technologies capable of anywhere from 10 to approximately 100 hours duration. But this new research reveals that long-duration energy storage will need to run much longer than that, and for dirt cheap. Can any of today's technologies measure up? Let's run through the four broad categories of competitors. First is electrochemical storage. There are two big electrochemical contenders. The first is flow batteries, which I wrote about in a previous post. They have the advantage of being able to scale energy storage and power capacity separately, which theoretically opens the door to very high energy capacity for fairly cheap. Unfortunately, the most common varieties of flow batteries, vanadium redox and zinc bromine, have energy storage capacity costs in the hundreds of dollars per kilowatt hour, which means they probably won't cut it as long-duration energy storage. As I wrote, flow batteries are aiming for that awkward mid-duration storage space and getting squeezed on both sides. Another electrochemical option, an alternative flow battery technology, is liquid metal batteries, which I also wrote about previously. A company called Ambry is building a 250 megawatt hour demonstration project with liquid metal batteries in Reno, Nevada. 
In this paper, researchers demonstrated an air-breathing aqueous sulfur flow battery with $10 to $20 per kilowatt hour energy capacity costs at 100 plus hours of duration. That wouldn't entirely displace firm generation, but it could theoretically get 10 to 20% system cost reductions, which is no small thing. The second is chemical storage. Chemical candidates mainly include hydrogen and hydrogen-derived fuels like ammonia and syngas. This is something of an odd category of storage since the result of all these processes is a fuel which operates just like natural gas as firm generation. You can see chemical storage as a direct substitute for or a form of clean firm generation. The cheapest forms of chemical storage rely on specific geological features for storage, like compressed hydrogen in caverns and porous rock formations. Energy capacity costs range from $1 to $5 per kilowatt hour for hard rock caverns, all the way down to around half a dollar per kilowatt hour for some depleted gas or oil fields. The problem with chemical storage is that while energy capacity costs are low, there's lots of infrastructure and conversion processes involved in making hydrogen, storing it, capturing CO2, combining hydrogen and CO2, and then burning the resulting fuel in combustion turbines. This gives chemical storage high power capacity costs and low round-trip efficiency. Lots of work needs to be done to bring down those costs, particularly of electrolysis and fuel cells for making and burning hydrogen, respectively. Third is mechanical storage. The oldest and still most common form of large-scale energy storage is pumped hydroelectric energy storage, or pumped hydro, whereby water is pumped from a lower reservoir to a higher one and then run back down through turbines to recapture the energy. Pumped hydro accounts for about 99% of the current U.S. grid energy storage market. Most pumped hydro installations today are built for diurnal cycling, which means every 6 to 24 hours, and have energy capacity costs in the hundreds of dollars per kilowatt hour, which makes them unsuitable for long-duration energy storage. Some pumped hydro projects with particularly large reservoirs can get to over 100 hours of duration at energy capacity costs in the $20 to $30 per kilowatt hour range, which combined with their relatively high round-trip efficiency means they can probably eat into some clean firm generation at the margins. But those sites are even more geographically limited than pumped hydro generally. The other viable mechanical long-duration energy storage technology is compressed air energy storage, which is just what it sounds like. Use energy to compress air, then use the pressure of the compressed air to run a turbine and generate electricity. In the best locations, with access to large saline aquifers, Compressed air energy storage can get down in the $1 per kilowatt hour range with hundreds of hours of capacity. Costs rise in less ideal sites, for example, salt cavern. Like pumped hydro, compressed air energy storage is geographically limited 
and might compete in some sites with compressed hydrogen storage. There are many other forms of mechanical energy storage out there, everything from pushing rocks uphill on a train, to lifting rocks with a crane, to spinning a flywheel, but none of them yet have energy capacity costs low enough to make them eligible as true long-duration energy storage. The fourth is thermal storage. There are numerous ways to store electricity as heat. The most familiar is concentrated solar power using molten salt. But capacity costs for that technology remain prohibitively high and round-trip efficiency prohibitively low for it to serve as long-duration energy storage. There are also less developed proposals to store heat in ceramic firebricks for electricity or heat applications, with energy capacity costs potentially as low as $5 to $10 per kilowatt hour and round-trip efficiency of over 50%. A process called pumped thermal energy storage using reciprocating heat pumps also shows great promise. Thermal storage remains an intriguing area of study, in part due to its usefulness as both direct heat and electricity. Headline 5, the overall potential of long-duration energy storage. As I said, the research is not explicitly framed this way, but the results strike me as fairly deflationary towards long-duration energy storage. The low costs and long durations required rule out several existing technologies and set incredibly ambitious targets for others. And even if long-duration energy storage meets those targets, it won't erase the need for clean firm generation. At best, it will take a good chunk out of it and reduce overall system costs a few dozen percent. That's not nothing, but it's not a silver bullet either. Here is the big central graph in the paper, which is uh, up on the website if you want to go look at it. It's extremely complicated. Just a few things to note about this graph. The colored boxes are different long-duration energy storage technologies. The solid lines indicate geographically unconstrained options, and dotted lines indicate those that are geographically constrained. You'll notice that all the options in the $1 per kilowatt hour box have dotted lines. And aside from compressed air energy storage, they're all chemical. There are currently no geographically unconstrained long-duration energy storage technologies that have even the potential to knock out clean firm generation. On the bottom half, some of the technologies are identified. Compressed air energy storage and hydrogen have huge potential. Some thermal technologies and metal air batteries are intriguing. Pumped hydro and reciprocating heat pumps can trim a little off the top. In reality, there will likely be a mix of long-duration energy storage technologies in the market targeting various performance or geographical niches. If I were a betting man, which I emphatically am not, my money would be on hydrogen over the mid to long term. It has an advantage similar to lithium-ion batteries' advantage in the short-duration market. It can draft off of other bigger markets. Lithium-ion batteries for energy storage can draft off of the much larger electric vehicle market, which is driving their costs down. Similarly, hydrogen and hydrogen-derived fuels for energy storage 
can draft off of much larger hydrogen markets, industrial applications, possibly airplane or shipping fuel, possibly mixing with natural gas and existing pipelines. Relative to those markets, the market for hydrogen as long-duration energy storage is likely to be marginal, but it will benefit from the cost reductions driven by scale in those other markets. Thermal storage might also benefit from being of use in both heat or electricity markets. As I've written before, there is huge potential for a clean heat market. The practical implication of this modeling is that research and development in long-duration energy storage needs to focus primarily on driving energy capacity costs as low as possible, while targeting durations of 100 hours or more well beyond the 10 to 100 hours the day's program targets, and discharge efficiencies of at least 60%. It's a tough set of aspirations, and there's no guarantee any technology will get there anytime soon. So another practical implication of the research is that we need to start thinking hard about where to find lots of clean firm generation, we probably can't store enough energy to get around it. Thanks for listening, y'all. I'll see you next time. 